Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakundo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagalu through the crowd, fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie Sands. I'm going ahead. I'm saying both first and last name. Jeez. I know. You're serious. I, it, it's, a serious it's a serious week this week. Yeah, we, you got your tux on. You seem ready to go, mate. I know. I I thought I'd dress up. It's unfortunately I'm dressing up for a funeral. Ah, oh. yeah. It's it's been a bit of a sad week Indulgence. in Australian football. Yeah, I know. Uh, the voice you're hearing, I should introduce you. James Jarvis is my co-host. He joins me on this episode of the Soccer Who's podcast, and I want to extend a special welcome. I know there's been some talk this week, some rumours flying around, but if Ryan Reynolds or Rob McElhenney are listening. Wanting to know more about Tom Glover. James, are we going to talk about him this episode? Uh, probably not, but I want to say huge congratulations to A-League Spy, who has probably just hit the biggest heights of his parody career. <laughs> it's or good. her parody career, yeah. I should say, maybe. I, I don't know, their parody that, career. That is so politically incorrect of you uh, to just assume that I, it's a man. I sincerely apologize, but... How I, could you? I quickly tried to backstep it, so I, I trust the people would understand the error in my ways and accept my but are you only apologies. are you only backtracking because you don't want to be cancelled you don't want the soccer who's pod to be cancelled no I realised I misspoke which I do quite a lot as you would see from the cutting floor of this podcast well the people who listen to the show can't hear the cutting room stuff I can though and it's multiple I'd say I don't know what's bigger than a gigabyte a terabyte yeah there, I have at least a terabyte of just <laughs> absolutely politically incorrect things that you've said on this show <laughs> no. Just ums and ahs, really. I've had it? to, I've had to cut it out at least five hours worth of just things that would absolutely get James cancelled. But you know who I think should be cancelled though, Lachlan Dean Smith. <laughs> okay, are we are we going straight into it? I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to move on, Lachlan. Well, okay, you just don't want to be cancelled for anything else. Okay, uh, this show is all about uh, unpacking and, and chatting about the future of Australian football, focusing really on on the Socceroos and kind of fringe future Socceroos, maybe some frequent Socceroos in there as well. But we really want to see Australia's next golden generation. I feel like we may have seen a little bit of that at the last World Cup. But if you're joining us for this episode, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, what we will do is we'll go around the grounds. Let's go around the grounds and, and chat about what's happened in Australian football in the past week. Let's start off in England. Not a fan of Dean Smith, James, no. the, the Leicester manager who has dropped Harry Suter. I'll be honest, I was working uh, the morning of the Liverpool-Leicester game, and as someone who is a Liverpool fan, I wanted Liverpool to win. Uh, and when I saw that Harry Suter was once once again benched, I was like, do you know what? This is good. I hope, I hope we smash them, because I want Suter to be playing regular football. FaZe, who's the centre-back for... Leicester, their right centre-back, I think he was playing. Yes. He had two absolute mares. Mistakes that I don't think Harry Sutar would make. I do recognise that there is a considerable amount of bias, but I think that Harry Sutar would head the ball clear, especially for, I think, the first goal that Curtis Jones scored. So, James, give us a quick rundown. What's happened at Leicester 
are we going to see them relegated? And is that a good thing for Harizuta? Yes. Maybe. Big answers to those two questions. Yes, what? Yes, they're, they're going to get relegated, I think, at this stage. Even if... I think they've got a game against Newcastle on the final day of the season. You don't think that they could rescue... Harry Sutar could carry Leicester individually on his back and, and carry them to safety from relegation zone? Uh, if Harry Sutar plays, maybe. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, Lachlan, you, know, you said you were biased, correct? Yeah, if, look, I, I think it's, it's good to acknowledge bias. Yeah. You know what isn't biased, Lachlan? Sure. Numbers. Okay. Numbers aren't biased. Okay. And uh, when you go from one of the worst defences in the league for the vast majority of this season, um, what do you usually do when you are one of the worst defences in the league, Lachlan? Uh, you would make changes, yeah. I imagine. So in January, you would sign a centre-back, right? That would make sense to me. Yeah, so one of the worst defences in the league, uh, regularly conceding, you know, four or five goals in multiple games, you know, getting belted here, there, everywhere, especially after the... World Cup break, they struggled immensely. And then, you know, January, you know, it comes around after a poor December. And they're like, okay, they get in Harry Suter. And then Harry Suter leads them to, well, points against Brighton, win against Walsall, win against Aston Villa, win against Leicester. And it's looking pretty good. They then, you know, lose a few. But the thing is, they're losing by margins of like one goal, right? It's, you know, 1-0 against Arsenal, where they fought valiantly. 2-1 against Blackburn in the Cup. Harry Sutton was rested. Then they lost 1-0 to Southampton. They lose 3-1 to Chelsea, even though Chelsea didn't really have many good chances in that game. You know, 1-0 against Brentford, a great result as well. So, they're in games. And then, April 10th comes around, Lachlan. Mm. They go from one of the worst defences in the league to being mid-table defence in the league, when Harry Sutton joins. Yeah. I would say that's an improvement. And I would say that's an, one of the indicating factors of that improvement is signing a very good centre-back. Uh, Dean Smith has Harry Sutar, you know, for one game. It's Man City, where they lose 3-1. Uh, Man City only have 12 shots. Two of those were just Harlan freak shots. And that's it for Harry Sutar. That's his last start and only start under Dean Smith. And from that point onwards, Leicester go back to conceding at minimum, three goals a game, um, pretty much for the rest of the season, except for a showing against Leeds, who apparently can't score anymore, and you know a, a bounce back win against Leicester, which you know usually happens when you have a new manager. They'll you'll have one blip of a game, but other than that, they Everton scored two goals against them, who suck going forwards this season. Yeah, absolutely abysmal. And then right, Fulham put five past you, and then <laughs> Liverpool have struggled all season as well. Going forwards in spades, score three past you, and they have an easy win against a team that Liverpool would mm. usually struggle against. Um, and I would say it's probably a well to say that, you know, going back to your centre-back partnership that got you in a relegation zone, you know, and then you went to a, a centre-back partnership that got you out of the relegation zone. To go back to the centre-back partnership that put you in a relegation zone is probably a bad idea. Uh, and I think Dean Smith is paying the price for that idea because... It looks like Leicester are in a lot of trouble, and with two games to go, two points adrift, it doesn't look good, and I think they will go down. But in terms of for Harry Suter, I think it could be good for him in a way. You know, big bounce back here in the championship. He'll be a star player for them. Soyuncu's off to Atletico Madrid. I would have loved to see him and Soyuncu play together, because I think that's a partnership made in heaven, to be honest, but... 
In heaven. It, wow. it is what it is. Uh, but it's going to be a big year for Harry Sutar next year if he stays with Leicester and they are in the championship because it's a big bounce back here and you could see him back in the premiership the year after that being a regular starter for them because he would have well and truly earned it and we know how good of a player he is. So he's going to have a huge bounce back if he is in the championship. Wow. I feel like that was a monologue and a half, but very passionate and I think well-measured as well. I, I agree with you that it's frustrating to watch a team like Leicester who this decade were were winning, I mean, within the past decade, not, not in the 2020 decade, but within the past decade, won the Premier League and is likely now to be relegated. And the backbone of that was the good defence, right? Yeah. So... It's disappointing to see. Speaking of disappointment, Riley McGree this morning went down in the championship playoff, uh, I guess, semi-final, because it wasn't, it wasn't the final match. Um, his Middlesbrough side going down 1-0 at home. You don't love to see it, let's be real. And in what could have been a season where, you know, had Harry Sutar managed to and it's still possible, managed to avoid relegation. We could have seen two Aussies playing regularly or or semi-regularly in the Premier League, James. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, Look, at the end of the day, you have these games where I think Middlesbrough were the better team, but one goal sometimes happens in football, and sometimes it happens in an opportune time with a half chance being grabbed, and that's ended up what happened. Uh, So it is unfortunate for Miley McGree. Um... But at the end of the day, I think upper championship is a very good sound football for him. I don't think he's quite ready for the Premier League. He's very close, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's quite ready just yet. So another year in the championship where he cements himself as a week-in, week-out star player that you know is the star player leading himself to the Premier League and leading his team to the Premier League would be very important because... Don't get me wrong, the star players this year for Middlesbrough weren't him. He was a very, very, very good player for Middlesbrough, but he wasn't the star. Chuba Akwam was the star, right? Mm. So it'll be a really good year for Ryan Green next year, I think. A great learning opportunity for him to step up and to continue and improve his game. And he's still got probably next year is probably one big final developmental year, his 25th year of age. And, you know, coming into, you know, the next season where he'll be tw- going on 26, 27 mm. He's going to really hit the prime of his career. So a big year for him next year. And you want to see him become a true star in his own right in the championship next year. Because that's when I think he'll be ready for this Premier League lights. And also ready for big, big tournaments for Australia. And he learns to become a star in his own right. And learn what it means to be the leading player on his team. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be great to see him for the Socceroos being that star player. I think... He has the ability to turn it on, right? We've seen his wonder goals that he scores. He really has the potential, I think, to grab the wider Australian public and, and be maybe not on the same skill level as Harry Kuehl or Tim Cahill, but definitely have the talk ability around town. With your average sporting fan, I think he definitely has the potential to be a name that is on the top of their mind. Yeah, definitely a player that I think has the potential to be attractive from a a wider media perspective is a good way to summarize his potential, whether he'll get there or not remains to be seen. And we'll see how he goes next season. I believe Chuba Akpom is heading off next season as well. So he will have to step up 
probably uh, Cameron Archer as well will finish off his loan stint. So big changes for Middlesbrough and a really good opportunity for uh, McGree. Maybe stepping into that 10 role that Chuba Akpon played, right? Because mm. we know Carrick likes to play with a traditional 4-2-3-1. So could be an opportunity for him there to step into that gap. James, in England still, Cam Pupion, we mentioned him last week. We've mentioned him, I think, every week for the past month or so. But he has officially been awarded the Young Player of the Month in the Premier League 2, which is a, a mammoth achievement. It's fantastic that he was deemed the, the best young player in that competition. And he's been earning bench appearances, not minutes, off the bench in the Premier League. Bench selections. Bench selections. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. He's been selected as a part of this Brighton side who is pushing for a spot in Europe and still have a handful of games left this season. So whether we'll see him make an appearance in the Premier League, fingers are still crossed. Who knows? By the time this podcast could be out, he could make a performance against Lachlan, 4.30 a.m. They're playing Newcastle. Okay. There you go. Hopefully I'll have this out Friday morning, which is later than our Tuesday aim that we've been trying to go for, but I'll admit we just didn't get it done this week. That's okay. I was actually secretly just waiting for the Ryan McGree game so I could give better insight. That is fair. After that game. That's that's the only reason. I think that's everything from England. Shall we move across to France? I'm actually really excited to talk about this next player because last episode I believe you promised. I think you promised. No, I, I believe you promised a full I'm dossier. I'm sure it was you promised. We didn't speak that much about this player last episode. He has made his debut in French League One, League 1, I believe it is called. And we really didn't give it the justice that it deserved. And one James Jarvis said, do you know what? Next week, I will come with a full dossier. I then made a joke about having manila folders. I note that you haven't rocked up with any manila folders, James. I think it's time that you give Mo Toure the the attention that he deserves because he also, if you were to believe one certain article that I saw on Twitter this week, might not be called up to the Socceroos. He might choose to, to play for Guinea, which is the other nation he's eligible for, if he continues to miss out on these selection opportunities like the under-23s that I believe he's eligible for. Yeah, that was a bit of a um, weird one for me, both the the article I think and the lack of his call up I think he would have been a great call up in there as well as Raphael Reich who is plying his trade over in Brazil so there you go bit, bit of a name there or wreck sorry I should say um got him confused with the Sydney FC lad uh but in terms of Motore I think he's definitely good enough I think it's bizarre that he didn't get a call up to that squad especially when you have someone like a Lachlan Brook who has struggled really really badly uh in League 2 and I think um, getting appearances in League One, albeit two, probably outweighs struggling in League Two a bit more. You know, League One, League Two, yeah, it's a bit of a difference. But for Moture, uh, let, let's just speak of his season as a whole, right? He's sure. played a lot of uh, reserves football for Rams in their B squad, and the B squad, to be honest, to be quite frank, it's a lower standard than the A League. Okay, it, it's that simple. It's a lower standard than the A League. Uh, and I believe Mo Toure actually went on record to say that himself uh, in an interview. Um, I can't recall where that was, so I apologise to that interviewer. That That's poor of me. 
Uh, but it, it's deep in my brain uh, that he's gone on record to say that it was a lower standard. Uh, so there is that. He's playing at a lower level, but the trade-off is the facilities, right? Mm. The facilities are a lot better and the coaches are a lot better. Yeah. Um, so in the long run, you're tr- that's the trade-off you make. Uh, but for Motore, early on in the season, hampered a little bit by injury, struggled, but has now broken through, had his call-ups. You know, the football manager, God will still, has called him up. And he's had two opportunities off the bench for a combined nine minutes. Uh, nothing crazy, but it's the kind of thing you expect to see at the end of the season when a side is doing, you know, decent enough. They've got their future secured. Rams sitting very cozy, um, in League One, not going up, not going down, merely existing mid-table life, Lachlan. Mm. Uh, but Motore, a very quick player, a very talented player we know. He has played as a nine uh, for the majority of his Australian career, but since heading over, has also played a little bit of left wing here and there, dabbled in at Lachlan. Yeah. Uh, dabbled a little bit in right wing as well, and this time in, in reserve, so a bit of tactical diversity for him, but... Um, Mainly, he's a striker, right? That's where he wants to play. That's where he plays. And that's where he plays well. Uh, but most recently, we have seen him playing a bit more left wing for Rems, which is interesting as well. Uh, one thing I will note for Rems, uh, they have a, another dual national who has had a bit of news about them recently in uh, Fullerin Bulligan, who was recently committed to the United States of America. Yeah. Anyway, we won't touch on that too much. But what I will touch on him about is he is a lone of Arsenal Football Club. Okay. Which means probably off at the end of the season, uh, unless they're willing to stump up a significant fee in the range of yeah. probably about 50 million, which is rumoured to be what Arsenal are wanting for him. Yeah. So a significant fee involved. What that does mean, though, is there's a spot opening up in the squad, and it's this position that Motore likes to play the most as well. Advanced forward, getting in the half spaces, looking to really overload the gap between the centre-back and the full-back in a strike partnership. And for Moture, it's a, it will present a really, really good opportunity for him in preseason next year to get serious league in minutes. So, um, in regards to those guinea links, I think it's a bit rubbish, to be honest. I think he will bide his time, probably another year and a bit, to wait for Australia's call, because that's where his heart is, I think, by all intents and purposes, based on what he's said, where he's grown up, where he's had opportunities to develop. But if Australia doesn't give that call, if he's playing regular league in minutes, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least put out some serious reports from a serious news outlet that there is interest in him from Guinea. You don't rate the the outlet that published this article? Uh, when I see a tweet two hours before it's published saying the exact same thing, that, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Australia don't go in for him, that Guinea would be interested, and then I see a news article with pretty much the exact same headline. It, it seems a bit sus to me, especially when there are no other reputable sources in Australian football saying the same thing. Interesting. Very interesting. James, let's turn our attention to Scotland. Ryan Strain with a goal in a, a match that ended 2-all. Hearts against St Mirren. Strain scoring for St Mirren, obviously. Uh, what were your thoughts on that match? Not a lot of Aussies considering the number of Aussies that could have played in that game. I mean, yeah, strain goal, Atkinson assist, so at least some Australian action. Um, but yeah, it, it's not been great for the Australian-Scotland contingent, especially over Ed Hart's. Keno Bacchus came off the bench, had a decent little game. Uh, didn't really involve himself too much. Uh, 
in the game. Uh, he struggled a little bit towards the end of the season. But for Ryan Strain, good performance. Got a goal uh, for St. Mirren. But naturally, towards the end of the season, as the league kind of closes up, especially in how Scotland set up their league system, hmm. you usually see a bit more of a... Um, tighter team right not as expressive a lot of scotland scottish teams play not to lose because there is some serious money on the line as they get towards european football if you're in that top six slot uh so it's not surprising that players that like to express themselves a bit more aren't featured uh but on the other token uh i mean devlin played an hour of football roles played as well had a decent game Grankowal, where is he? Who knows? It's not on a football pitch, Lachlan. It is on mm. some pine wood. Uh, Stephen Naismith clearly doesn't really rate the youngster, um, which is which is kind of sad. But hey, it is what it is. Maybe maybe his career at uh, where did he play? Norwich, where he was the leading striker until he was like fifty years of age. It feels like yeah, <laughs> it left it le- left an impressionable um, mark on him that no, we can only play players that are over the age of thirty. But it is what it is. It's frustrating, but it's kind of understandable when you look at Hearts' position right where they are fighting it out for Europa Conference League playoff spots. Uh, they hadn't secured that like Aberdeen, who had secured it hearts had a really poor run in mm. which cost them their easy secure it securance in that spot they really should have had that locked up three four games ago to be honest but we're in a position now where they didn't do that and for me all eyes turn to grand Kowal's off season right where does he go next uh i'm sure we'll dive into that more over the off season yeah as we look for information to talk about uh but maybe we'll have to get him on the show yeah we'll try and get him on the show and ask him ourselves sounds good that's that's my very ambitious but somewhat attainable target. Okay. To get some interviews this off season. That'll be good. If you know anyone, agents listening, mothers listening, reach out. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh James, can we turn our attention to Norway? Because another young Aussie has been playing pretty well and pretty consistently. Nick D'Agostino scored just on Sunday night. In a 2-1 win for Viking, Pat Yazbek playing 59 minutes, Gianni Stenson's playing the full match, and I believe there was a selfie that I think I saw on Keep Up where some Aussie fans were over there. I didn't realise, to be honest, all it took to get on Keep Up was to go and watch Australians play football overseas and then get a selfie with them, but there you go. That's that's another target for me when I go over to Europe in December this year. How, how many times can I feature on the Keep Up social media page? Uh, that's that's good from you, mate. That's good from you. Uh, but yeah, I, as I said earlier um, in an earlier episode of this podcast at the start of the league season when I watched that first game for Viking, it wasn't long before Nick D'Agostino would come on and play very well. And he mm. has come on to that starting lineup and he's played very well, Lachlan. Um, a lot of assists and a decent amount of goals to go along with it. He got another one against Standifjord as well in the league. And Viking, they're up into second, right? Uh, behind Bordel who are a very good team and will remain at the top. But, hey, ahead of a team like Mulder, who are currently sitting mid-table, Rosenborg, who they played early on, you know, sitting lower down. Even Stromgadset, who are sitting very low in the league table. Um, so it, it's been a good season so far from Viking, and they can thank their Australian contingent for that. In regards to D'Agostino, goal and assist in that game, contributing to both goals. Sorry, just a goal in that game. Um, I don't know why I said assist. My brain... Not working there, Lachlan. Yeah, anyway. that's, that's your second buzzer. Of the- uh, 
I'll, I'll cop the yellow yeah. for that one. Yeah, yeah Mul- multiple infringements. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Nicholas D'Agostino, real success of the A League in many ways. Um, that also points to an issue within the A League. People will say, well, why didn't he get opportunities when he was younger? Imagine how good he would have been if you know he got his opportunities in the A League when he was twenty one, twenty two. He did, he did, and he wasn't good. Right? He was not good for the Brisbane Raw. He was not that good for Perth Glory either. He got his opportunities. It wasn't until Melbourne Victory where he was a bit older, 23 years of age, 24 years of age, where he really stepped up. And you may ask why. Well, why is this, you know, clearly talented 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old struggling? And that's because of the brand of football Australians play. Mm. It's, you know, either get this ball up the wings, you know, wing play, wing play, wing play. We force it up one wing. That's what we do. There is no tactical depth of playmaking throughout the midfield <laughs> to get the ball through the middle and use a strike and build up play. Do they get up the wings and fang that ball in for a cross? Or it's burst that ball up the guts and hope your striker gets on the end of it? Neither of which really suit Nicholas D'Agostino until he really developed as his physical self, you know, and developed his size and his aerial ability to meet that need. And it is only now that you are seeing when he's offered the ball to feet more in build-up play, that he's offering a bit more, actually, um, than what he was showing in the A-League. And he's shown that he's a far more well-rounded striker than his time in the A-League suggests. Uh, and that is also very telling to the developmental cycle of the A-League. We do really well to develop really talented 15, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. But it's when they hit 18, 19, 20 that we hit this roadblock, it seems like. And... The only exception to that is Melbourne City, and they're being justly rewarded for that in their developmental pathways because they netted, obviously, a record fee for Jordan Boss. They're about to see another good young player who they've developed uh, since he's come back to Australia in Aidan O'Neill, who will probably head over. You know, also they had Denny Jean Ruth, even though they didn't get the fee, they were the ones that developed him Mm. uh, as he headed over. So... You can see that the one exception to this rule is Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory. Sydney FC, they should be paying attention to what Melbourne City is doing in developmental pathways because, I mean, $2 million Australian dollars goes a long way to helping financial troubles. And fun fact, Lachlan, $2 million Australian dollars is exactly the amount that Melbourne City would have gotten from the uh, the grand final deal. There you go. So, there you go. That That is quite a fun fact. Um, James... I feel like you're summarizing quite well um, my thoughts, which is why I'm not really chiming in all that much. Some may say that that may be a lack of preparation on my part, but why listen to me repeat something that James has already said? I do think that Melbourne City are doing a fantastic job at showing how we can develop players. And I'll throw Adelaide and Central Coast into that mix as well. I will say that watching that semi-final between Adelaide and, and Central Coast, I actually would almost prefer that that was the grand final. I know we've got the second leg to go, but I don't know. There's just something exciting about watching so many young players in the A-League. That's really where the product is at its best, I think. Throw in some experienced soccerers, experienced Europeans. Well, you need that to develop young players as well. Exactly. But that, to me, is a much more exciting game yeah. than maybe what the grand final might end up being. We'll get to that in just a second. James, Alex Grant, South Korea. What a player he is. 
centre-back scoring two goals in two games. That doesn't usually happen. Yeah, crazy to me that he hasn't gotten an opportunity for the Socceroos uh, because it's been quite a while that he's been playing quite well, Lachlan. Mm. Um, he's a very talented player, right? He's not the tallest bloke, but he is certainly combative still in the air. He's a quick player, quick with his feet, uh, and he's got a decent passing distribution. He's one of those more stopper players, but can also play as a bit of a sweeper. Uh, but he is a very talented centre-half, and he's playing really well in South Korea. Two goals now in two games, routinely up around that 9% pass completion mark, which is exactly where you want your ball-playing centre-back to be, including his long passing range, regularly wins his ground duels, and because he's good at reading the game, usually he that height disadvantage that he sometimes has doesn't really matter because he's got a really good read and his recovery runs as well are regularly very, very impressive. So good few games to Alex Grant. Um, does he deserve a national team call-up? Yes, he's deserved it for probably 18 months now. Will he get it? Uh, probably not. Do I hope Do I hope he gets it? Definitely. Uh, because I think, to be honest, he's probably been the third-choice centre-back in my mind for the Socceroos for the last 18 months, even though he's never gotten that call-up which is really unfortunate because he deserves it, uh, but it's kind of getting to that stage in his career now, right? He's 29. You know, it's not 18 months ago when he was 27. He's 29 now, and it looks like the sun may just set on his career, and he may have one of the most illustrious careers for a non-soccero in recent memory, which is really unfortunate because he has a very talented centre-half. James, I'm just seeing, I, I know that we usually like to talk about transfer rumours a little bit later on, but uh, there's a transfer that I want to just briefly mention because he's also a left-footed centre-half. Alexander Sushna has been released from MacArthur. Now, yeah. this time last year, we were massively on the Sushna train in terms of a, a player that hasn't really played for the Socceroos, but has the potential to if he had a good season. His season at MacArthur wasn't all that wonderful, but I still think that... Struck a lot with injury as well. Yeah. I still think he has the potential to play for the Socceroos. Where do you think Sushnar goes? Probably stays in the A-League for me. Um, Sydney FC, if Wilkinson decides to ever hang up his boots, wouldn't be a bad option. It seems Melbourne City are always interested in good players. Yeah. Um, Risen Raw would love a new centre-back, that's for sure. He'd be a great fit there. Uh, same with Perth Glory. They're always in need of a new centre-back. He so. is West Australian-born. so Yeah. So, to be honest, I, there will be no shortage of A-League clubs in my mind that will be interested in him. Uh, the only clubs that I see wouldn't be interested in him. Western Sydney, they've already got their centre-backs for the future locked in. Um, also, I don't really see Central Coast being a fit for him with Triantis developing really well unless Triantis moves on. And Wellington as well, I think, have a good centre-back partnership right now. So, rule those three out, and obviously MacArthur out. The rest of them, though, would be a good mm. fit for Sissonyar, because he's a very talented player if he can stay healthy, and he'll be a service to any A-League club, I imagine. But based on the season he had, I don't see a European move on the horizon, oh, yeah. or an Asian move on the horizon, unless he wants to move back to his original home country in, where is that, Slovakia, Slovenia... What do you mean home country? He's Australian. His original home country, where he has played a lot of football growing up over in Eastern Europe. Uh, we'll get to more transfers in just a second. I just want to finish talking about Mitch Duke. He scored another goal in Japan in J2. 
he is a very good player and he continues to show why he should play for the Socceroos. Yeah, Mitch Duke, I mean, we know what Mitch Duke does. And he scored another goal. Mm. Good with his head, good in linking play together. That's what he does. Good on you, Mitch Duke. Fantastic. I'm so glad that we just switched gears back to just talk about Mitch Duke for, what, less than 20 seconds. He's a known commodity. He is a known commodity, and he isn't showing anything that we haven't seen already, which isn't a bad thing. That's not a knock on Mitch Duke. James, I do want to get to this. I want to talk about the transfers that are that are rumoured to be happening at the moment, transfers that have happened already. A lot of transfers happening right now in Australian football. Let's kick it off. Jordan Boss breaking the record fee. Melbourne City to Westerlo in Belgium. He's saying that he wanted to go to a club that was going to give him game time. I think he's made a great choice in doing that. Uh, $2 million, which is the, the highest fee paid for an Australian player transferring from an Australian league overseas. Obviously not the highest fee paid overall, but highest fee from an A-League or an NSL side heading overseas, which is awesome. Absolutely awesome to see. I hope that he thrives under that pressure. I think if you are a good footballer, you have to learn how to, to do that. But I hope that the added pressure of, oh, he's our most expensive player to have gone from the A-League overseas, I hope that doesn't act as a hindrance for him. I don't think it will. He'll be fine. He, I mean, he's played international football for Australia and he mm. looks at home, right? And that is probably even more pressure, I'd say. Uh, because you really don't see the pressure build up for that unless it's the record incoming transfer for a club. Yeah. And it's not Westerloo's record transfer. So I think Westerloo fans won't be putting that kind of pressure on him to perform for his club. So I think he'll be fine. Uh, but Westerloo have signed a very good player. Um, so any Westerloo fans listening, congratulations. Uh, all, I don't know, three of you that are listening to this podcast, congratulations, you signed a good player. Uh, John Boss, by the numbers, is one of the best left-backs Australia have ever had playing in their local league this season, uh, in terms of the season he's just had. He's phenomenal going forwards. His chance creation is phenomenal in terms of his forward ball, his diagonal ball, uh, as well as his finishing opportunities, which has come in leaps and bounds this season. Uh, still has to grow as a crossing threat. Uh, his crosses, uh, to be honest, are not good. But where he thrives, John Boss, where he absolutely thrives is in progressive runs, progressive carries. Uh, when he has the ball at his feet, he can carry it forward with absolute sublime ability. Beat his man, play off a simple pass. He doesn't really beat two men at once unless he's apparently in the finals and wants to score a killer goal because he's had a few of those as well. Uh, but yeah, very good season for John Boss. Uh, one of the best carriers in the A-League in progressive carries per game, uh, progressive runs per game, but he's also become a very good progressive passer as well. His pass completion is regularly up around that 85% range, uh, which is one of the upper percentiles in the A-League and one of the leading percentiles for a left back as well in the A-League. He's one of the better progressive passers and one of the better possessional-based left-backs in the league. And I haven't even said his defensive capabilities yet, Lachlan, which are obviously his strongest suit. One-on-one defender, absolutely phenomenal. Absolute brick wall. His speed and height he uses phenomenally well. And he has perfectly built to be a modern fullback who can both play underlapping, overlapping, and inverted. All three 
play on the left or the right. Phenomenal young talent and going to be so exciting heading over to Europe because really <laughs> where he goes after that will be insane to see his development. But this next season for him is going to be very, very interesting to see how quickly he adapts, how quickly he learns a new language, some very well human things to adjust to. Football-wise, he'll be fine, but culture-wise and things like that, that's the big question mark. But I think he'll be fine, Jordan Boss, and I'm really excited for next season to closely follow how he goes because he has all the potential in the world to become one of Australia's best ever football players. So really exciting stuff, very exciting times. And I guess I'm going to have to get a subscription to figure out how to watch the Belgian League next year, Lachlan. Well, you might want to watch the Belgian League, especially for this next player as well, who I know you're a big fan of. And because of that, I'm going to put a limit on how long you can speak for him. Oh, no. No, I, I know you just, you sometimes I feel like you go a little bit too long. So I'm going to, I'm going to, a mental clock. I'm of course talking about Keegan Jelicic. He's rumored to have signed or be signing for Ghent over also in Belgium. Uh, he, I know he was doing a, a lot of the rounds of local Queensland, Brisbane football sides, just saying g'day to people before he heads off over to Belgium. But where do you think he can grow the most in his game in the next year? Uh, the most important part, Lachlan, is playing on the outside. Uh, he's a very, very good number 10. And the trend in modern football is n- number 10s aren't useful. Uh, yeah. So for Keegan Jelicic, that could be a bit of a concern. And you may say, well, why has he gone over Belgium? Why is they interested in him from one of the best developmental sides in Europe in Gent? And the reason is the technical ability is absolutely class. Mm. Right? He's got technical ability and he's got flair. Yeah. Two things that are very, very important and lead indicators for important finishing players and creative players. He's got those two things. And when I say on the outside, what I mean is on the outside of his man. He's very good in pockets of space, mm. playing narrow, playing on the inside shoulder of his man, playing in, little, in, playing in the half space. He's very, very good. So playing as an advanced eight, he's okay at, but playing as a free tennis where he's best at. When I say playing on the outside, I mean playing as, as a winger, right? may not call it a winger. Some may call it an inside winger. Some may call it an inverted mm. forward. Some yep. may call it an advanced playmaker, a wide playmaker. However you want to call it, whatever role you want to define it as, he has to grow playing as a wide right or a wide left player. Preferably for me, wide left is where he should be because that inside curling right foot is lethal. But a really good developmental opportunity for him heading to one of the best developmental teams in the world. Mm. Kicking Lulcic. Very gifted technically, finally given his A-League opportunity, and it pays dividends straight away for the team that gave it to him because they've netted a decent fee, I hope. And he's over to Europe. He is over to Europe. Uh, another player who might be over to Europe as well likes to play. Can I go on time? One. Sorry, Lachlan. I, yeah. I need to know this. Uh, mentally, on my mental clock, you were just under time, which is a good oh, thing. Yes. By a couple of seconds. So, Jeez. If I had thought about this a little bit quicker and forward thought this a bit more, I would have gotten an actual clock for you. Oh, and maybe okay. I will need to introduce an actual clock. Yes, there is an actual clock behind me, <laughs> but I'm talking about for the people listening at home so they True. can hear. It's a very radio thing to have a clock that ramps up and gets more intense oh, wow. the, the quicker it goes. But maybe it's the sort of thing we could introduce to this show. I don't know. Maybe it might be something that we don't want to introduce let us know <laughs> that's that's great from you 
I know. I'll be honest, we're getting close to my bedtime, and there's still players and things for us to talk about. So, we'll Where are c- we going then, Lachlan? Well, I would like to talk about Nessa Aaron Kunda. He's a good player, isn't he? He's a fantastic player, playing quite well uh, the other night against Central Coast Mariners. Obviously, the Mariners got up in that match. Shout out to Jason Cummings, scoring a goal in that match on his right foot, his weak foot. But Nessa Aaron Kunda, he is linked to a Serie A club. We don't know which one, but... That's the rumor going around at the moment. A couple of weeks ago, he was heading off to Bayern Munich. That's what it was said. I, I think my opinion still remains the same, even if it is one of the lower-ranked Serie A clubs. I think another season in the A-League, Calviart is not starting him in matches. He doesn't trust him to play 90 minutes. So I think he needs to increase the amount of minutes he's playing. And then... Head overseas. Yeah, I firmly believe that A-League players need to submit themselves as 90-minute players in the A-League before heading overseas. I think that's just the smartest developmental pathway, to be honest. So, also, there's also the whole uh, passport thing for Iren Kunda, um, as he is, you know, a child still at the age of 17. So, you know, kind of needs to have uh, a citizenship to head overseas and play first-team football. So... Plenty of time for him still, and I agree. He still needs to spend more time in the A-League, and it's hard to comment on a move when you don't know the club. But Syria, decent league um, in terms of the stature. Not a decent league in terms of the um, social stature, I would say. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of some of the fan behavior over there, and okay. I'll leave it at that. Okay. James, during the week, Football Australia announced two squads that... Definitely would pique your interest. Both the under-17 Joeys and the under-23s, I guess you call them the Ollie Roos, squads have been announced for their next camps. The Ollie Roos, I believe, are playing in the Maurice Ravello tournament. Um, so some games coming up towards the start of June. I'll quickly run through the names. And if any catch you fancy, let me know. For the most part, though, I will say this squad does seem to be pretty consistent from the last ones we've seen for the Ollie Roos. There doesn't seem to be many changes. I guess that kind of happens when you've got age-based squads. You see, for the most part, a fair chunk because they, they like to keep somewhat of a core together. But let me run through this squad here. And if there's anyone that you'd like to really just dive deep on, let me know. In alphabetical order, going by their last name, as opposed to positionally. Uh, we've got Hosen Billity, Nicholas Billikapic in goals, Noah Botic. Very good player. Lachlan Brook, Cameron Cook, Jordan Courtney Perkins, Ooh. Ethan Cox in goals, Adelaide keeper, Louis DiRigo, Jacob Farrell, Marley Francois, the, the brother of yep. Tyrese Francois, Jake Holman, Jacob Italiano, Keegan Jelicic, Garang Kowal. Wow. Lucas Moragas, Callum Newenhoff, Cameron Pupion, Josh Rawlins, Callum Talbo, Ryan Teague, Marco Tilio, Nectar Triantis, Nishan Valupale, and then they've got some training on players. They're going to be in there the pre-camp. Uh, and they are Aiden Coyne from Watford's Youth Academy, Zach Gilson. And He's back. He's back. He's Blackburn Rovers Youth Academy. Alu Kowal, brother of Garang, gets in there. Uh, and then you've got Jace Novello, who plays out of Italy. 
and Caleb Watts, Morecambe FC, who we've seen involved in the Ollieries before. Zach Gillinson's back, baby. Gillinson or Gilsonen? Uh, Gilsonen, yes, but I, James, I've now gotten you were, horribly in the habit over the three years of FM of being dyslexic and not being able to read the names. Fair enough. You're, you're close to that red card being issued. Oh, no. You, you wouldn't want that this episode. Sorry, sir. That's, hey, you're forgiven this time. Gilsonen, make sure you get that right. Any of those players stands out to you, James? Well, Gilsonen being back yep. for the Ollie Roos. I know he's a train-on player, but nonetheless, he's back in a camp for Australia. Mm. And previously, he was in a camp for Ireland. So that that's that's positive news. I uh, struggled a lot with the injury this year uh, and a bit at the end of last year as well. So to see him back playing... Um, in the green and gold, even as a train-on player, is great to see because he's a very talented young player with bags of potential. So if he ends up turning out as good as he can be, he could be a very important player for the soccer. So good to see him back. Uh, in terms of the main squad, it's going to be really interesting. few players for me. Noah Botic, Nicholas Bilikampic, Colin Perkins, Dorigo, Jacob Farrell, Keegan Jelicic, Grant Kowal, Pupion, Talbo, Joshua Rawlins, and Marco Tilio, those are the most important players for me. Yeah. And they are clearly, I think, cut above everyone else, and you want them to dominate. And they're all established senior players at this point in time. So it's a really, really important tournament for them as they play some serious teams, right? This is a very serious tournament. I know it may, you know, sound like a bit of a Mickey Mouse tournament, you know, Maurice Ravello tournament. What is that? Mm. Uh, it's it's a very prestigious youth tournament, Lachlan. Yeah. And a lot of the best young players in the world play there. You know, we're up against Qatar, Togo, and Mexico in the group stage as we look ahead. Mm. Uh, but we can end up playing some very, very good youth teams. And, I mean, Mexico is a very, very good youth team yeah. in its own right. And so, for me, if we go well in this tournament, you see often a lot of young players in this tournament get snapped up by huge clubs. Yeah. That's just the nature of this tournament and how it's scouted. It's a very big indicator for potential young players. So for me, it's going to be very interesting, especially for someone like a Jordan and Courtney Perkins, uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins, who has finished up his loan stint at the Brisbane Raw. What will come next? I, he's a very, very talented young player and he has played very well for the Raw for this year for me as well. Uh, in a struggling Raw side, he was one of the better players. So it'll be interesting for him to show what he's made of and I hopefully think he'll earn some first team opportunities over in Poland Noah Botic really important chance for him to take next step for Cameron Pupion a huge chance to show that no I'm a leading player of my age and I deserve first team football and for Grant Kowal great opportunity for him to kind of get back on track going forward because he struggled with the hearts a little bit so a great opportunity for him to say no look I'm still a wonder kid I should be, still be treated that way, and I should still be developed that way. So some really interesting storylines going into this competition and uh, some great opportunities for young players, especially someone like Marco Tilio, who probably is ready to go over to Europe to really show what he's got and earn that move. With any players that you think may be unlucky to miss out on this squad? Oh, Moture. Yeah, I think Moture for me is the big one. Uh, especially when I look at someone like Lachlan Brook, who's really struggled for Crew Alexander uh, while he's been on loan for Brent, Brentford. He just hasn't been very good, to be honest. So that's been, I think, really harsh on him. Uh, Moture missing out. Um, I think that's the big one. The other probably one is Kai Truen. I think had a very good season for the Raw, uh, but 
at the same time, I can understand why uh, we've got some decent players in at centre-back already as well. Uh, so I think Kajdru went a bit hard done by, uh, but Rawlins, Courtney Perkins, probably the first choice for answers off the bench. And not really a clear fourth choice centre-back, unless my br brain is just not working, which is always a possibility. Oh no, ability, sorry. There we go. My brain caught up to me, Lachlan. Like, I, like you said, it's my bedtime. Um, I think Billity, well, he certainly has good potential. Kai Truen, I think, has outperformed that. And even as a defensive midfielder, I think Kai Truen could be a very good option over there. Another one, Vilupale. I don't know how he's quite made it, um, especially over someone like Moture. So some interesting decisions. Um, I think Vilupale, to be honest, compared to even some of the, um, the train-on players, probably... So to be there a bit more than him, but hey, we'll see how it goes. The storyline is definitely, and the eyes will all be on those star players because it's a phenomenal opportunity for stars to grow and stars to develop. So for me, those names I stated earlier on, a huge opportunity mm. for them. Yeah. Also, uh, quickly wanted to just touch on Subway Joey's extended squad for the Under-17 Asian Cup. Uh, I think the headline player here, is Nestor Irankunda. I think there's no doubts about him being the, the biggest name. I'm going to quickly run through the names. I'll be honest, this is a criticism of mine is that I'm probably not as across this group of players as much as I should be. Um, so please forgive me if I mispronounce a name. Once again, alphabetical order based on surnames. Nathan Amantis uh, from Adelaide United. Peter Antoinou, defender for Melbourne City. Uh, Nathan Barry. Defender for Western City Wanderers. Daniel Benny, an attacker for Perth Glory. Ryan Brownlee at Olympic FC. Good player. In Queensland. Uh, Robert Cook, goalkeeper for Perth Glory. Giovanni Di Abreu. Uh, I think that's how you say that. He's also at Perth Glory. Zachary De Jesus. De Jesus? Uh, De Jesus is how you would read that <laughs> if you just read it plainly. Symphonically. Yes. Uh, he's from Sydney FC. Miguel... DePizio. Very good player. At Central Coast Mariners. Campbell Doverson from Western United. Mitch Glasson, Sydney FC. Daniel Grigowski at Northcote City FC in the MPL Victoria. Uh, Aiden Green, Western Sydney Wanderers. Jordan Hoey, Victory. You've got Edward Ince from the Raw. Industrious Nesra, player. Very good. Nesra Irankunda. He's all right. Uh, uh, Andriano Lebib. He is also a very good player, I think. He's one of the most ones that I think I'd watch out for. Jonathan Lighthead, Perth Glory as well. Jacob McLaughlin and Richard Nkomo from Sydney FC. You then have Bailey O'Neill, Adelaide United. Andre Parks, Central Coast. Anthony Pavlicic is, an, is He's a very good player that I recognize, the goalkeeper there. Uh, Sotiri Phyllis from Adelaide. Tiago Quintal from Sydney FC, Corey Sutherland, Perth Glory, Fabian Taladira, Adelaide United, and finally, Michael Vonya, goalkeeper for Western United. So this is my understanding, is that Anthony Pavlicic is obviously a player that's been given some opportunity for the Mariners before he's a name I recognise. Also, Nestor Irankunda is obviously the big name there. I can't say I recognise too many other players, but I'm excited to watch this uh, this under-17 Asian Cup or as, as much as we can watch yeah. of it it's and, and learn more about these guys. Yeah, it's really Nestri Kunda is the star. Yeah. Right? He, he's the he's the world beater. He could be a wonder boy. He could be a world-class talent. And then you have DePizio uh, and Anthony Pavlicic. They're probably the 
you know, the Robins. Uh, but I think, honestly, DePizio is a really exciting young talent and is ready for first-team football. And I wouldn't be surprised next A-League season to see him regularly playing for Central Coast. Okay. He's ready for that jump. He started to get onto the bench towards the end of the A-League season, have some appearances. And I think next season he'll be ready to make that big jump uh, because he's just hit that hallmark of 18 years of age, which is always the indicator of players when they're ready to start having some serious first-team football. Um, Outside of that, uh, I'm... Also, not too familiar with all of these names. I've watched a little bit, so I know some place to look out for. I mainly watch Brisbane-based football. I'm sorry. I'm a Brisbane boy. So I can speak on Ince. He's a very good young player, industrious central midfielder, gets up and down the pitch very, very well, and has a decent passing range as well. Could develop very well uh, into a traditional box-to-box midfielder with some decent ball penetration ability. Uh, so... He's one for me to look out for. And then, of course, the Olympic FC boy, Ryan Brownlee, follows in the mould of traditional Olympic forwards. So he's very wiry, very attacky, wants to get really into those tricky spaces in between the fullback and centre-back, cutting inside regularly. Uh, and he's a very talented young player. Uh, if you wanted to compare his play style, here's a name for you, Lachlan. Devontae Klut. Do you wow. remember that man? I, I remember Devontae. He was touted to be one of Brisbane's brightest prospects, and then it just didn't happen. Yeah, didn't happen. But he's similar kind of play style, right? Okay. So he could also turn out to be a very, very talented young player uh, if he keeps his mind and works hard. Okay, there you so go. He, he's a good young player and a bit of a high wire. And then, yeah, Andreanio Labib follows in the footsteps of previous Perth Glory fullbacks of being quite good. You know, they can play centrally. They can push up the pitch. Uh, some may call him a centre-back. I like to think of him as a full-back. They can invert narrowly, but also push into midfield. I think he's quite diverse in that regard. And would be, would, wouldn't at all be surprised long-term to see him play as that kind of that left-back player like Jacob Farrell has become for Central Coast that can play a bit of centre-back as well. There you go. Well, uh, I think that'll be it for this episode. Anything else? Any other points of agenda that you'd like to, to touch on, James? No. There you go. Well... Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Soccer Who's Podcast. You can get in touch with us via our socials. Give us some feedback. Soccerwhospod at gmails.com is our email address. Or, yeah, via our socials, Soccer Who's Pod is our handle across all the relevant platforms is what I'll say. We'll be back with another episode, hopefully, on Tuesday. And until then, enjoy the football. See ya.